Let's go to Proverbs. Where's Proverbs this morning? Proverbs 14. Hallelujah. And this morning I'm going to be speaking on restoration in women and families for the end time harvest. You do know that we are living in the end times. If you don't, you need to look around you and see what is happening. I welcome to any men in the house. This applies to you too. While I may make reference to woman, it applies to you too. Amen. Let's read Proverbs 14 verse 1. And a lot of you will know that this is one of my favourite scriptures. Every wise woman builds her house, but the foolish plucks it down with her hands. And I want to read it out of the Amplified. It says, The wise woman builds her house on a foundation of godly precepts, and her household thrives. But the foolish one who lacks spiritual insight tears it down with her own hands by ignoring godly principles. It's so simple. It is so simple. If every one of us would just take Proverbs 14 verse 1 and meditate on it, I'm pretty sure our homes will be, would be a lot more peaceful. Let's look at Genesis. So we know that God created Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve or even Edna, or whoever you want to put with her. And I want to just look at verse 28, where the instruction of the Lord was God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. So we've got four instructions there. To be fruitful. And all of us naturally just put that to having family. That's part of it. But there's more to being fruitful than just having children. Multiply. Replenish and have dominion. So I'm here to tell you that you have responsibility for all those four things. Don't look at your husband or the husband that you don't have. Because the instruction has been given to Adam and Eve. And that is what is under attack in society today. 
it's become normal for single households. It's become normal for homosexuals to adopt children. It's become perverted in society, and that's a sign of the end times. But it doesn't abdicate the responsibility that we have as believers. And if you didn't know, the 2030, two of the goals of the United Nations for 2030, I don't know if you know this, is to end the family unit. And the other thing is for government to raise the children. So we as the body of Christ have a responsibility to stop this. And you as women have a scripture in Proverbs 14 which gives you the responsibility of what happens in your household. If there's one thing I've learned in 38 years of marriage, marriage is that I set the atmosphere in my home, not my husband. And you say, but what about him? Well, we're not talking about him now because a lot of change needs to, be, needs to come because of what we're doing. We're too quick to look at what they should do. I do know that when my husband came home, if I'd had a hang of a day with the kids and I bleated as he walked in the door, that was the tone for the evening. So you have a responsibility to take dominion in your own environment first and not abdicate that responsibility to your spouse or your not spouse or to the kids, or whatever the situation is. You see, God's Word doesn't allow for excuses. He speaks His Word, and it applies for every situation that we may find ourselves in. Is Jesus coming back? Absolutely, but He's gonna come back to a glorious church. And we know that the Word also says that will I find faith on the earth? God forbid, in inside church, there will be faith. We will continue to stand. Amen? Prayer is very important and we can pray against these things and we need to do that. And I'm not abdicating any responsibility from prayer. But doing the Word is as important. You see, when you pray, it has to give action to your works. We need to start standing up and taking responsibility for the place in which God has put us. And not expecting somebody else, but you don't understand. No, I do understand. We need to stand up against the different departments, which are mostly all government departments, that are trying to dictate and come against Genesis 1. That's what it's all about. You need to stand back from the circumstances and see that this is a good and evil fight. That's all it's about. 
You know, we've just been, as you all know, we have just been in, um, in the Mediterranean. And we went to um, ancient Corinth. We went to Ephesus. We were in Athens. We were in Venice. And let me tell you what we saw there, which is pretty frightening. But when you read, when you've seen that and you read the Word, you see it in a different context. In Venice, the church was strong. We saw the church where, you know, old Casanova. You've all heard of Casanova? A couple of Casanovas we all know. Do you know that he was a preacher of the Word first? How tragic is that? But the church in Venice was strong and they built all these different um, statues and murals and painted all kinds of stuff of Christian things. Right through the whole word, you can see it there. And then the government came in and plonk their stuff on top of it. So you've got all these murals, like for example, the Jesus going to the cross. But on top of that is the symbol of the, of the government they have put on top of that. To show that the church will never have the authority in that area. It's no different here. It's absolutely no different. From there, we went off to Ephesus, where Paul preached. He ministered the Word. There is 1% of Christian in the area. What happened? The house of, of Mary has become a shrine. They're all tying their little things around the house so that she can help them. <laughs> Whose fault is that? It's the church. We doubt, we, we read the words so easily. We went to, and this is just free information before I get into what I'm really saying. But in Athens, where Paul went and preached, you can read it in Acts, in Mars Hill. We went there. It is filthy. And you look up to all the shrines and the Parthenon and all these things, which are enormous. And that's what he had to stand against. How would I have responded? Because let me tell you, back then in the day, the other gods appeared greater than the one true God. And that was their resistance. But he still stood. He looked at that thing and challenged it. And you can see how Paul would have done that. But where's the church? Where are they? And that's one of the things that absolutely pined us. Because 
the church are hardly even taking advantage of the history. Because they didn't be fruitful, multiply, replenish, and take dominion. That's what happened. Let me tell you, separation between the world and the church is going to become greater than it already is. And if you can't stand now, you need to make the changes necessary to stand because it's going to get tougher. It is going to get tougher. The word that we had at the beginning of this year, anybody remember? Increase of God's goodness. I like to say an overflow. Increase of God's goodness in the midst of the stuff that we're seeing. God wants to show Himself strong now, not in the future, today. So I want us to have a look at Daniel. Oh, Daniel. And I don't have time to read right through Daniel, but I will make reference as we go along. In Daniel 1, Nebuchadnezzar is king and the Israelites have been delivered into his hands. And if we look at Daniel chapter 1, verse 4. Nebuchadnezzar was quite smart, actually, when you look at this in verse four. He makes a request in verse four. Children in whom there's no blemish, well-favoured, skillful in all wisdom, cunning in knowledge, and understanding science and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace. I want you to write those down. Highly favoured, skillful in wisdom, cunning in knowledge, and having the ability to stand, having competence. Who does, it, who does it sound like he's talking about? You and me. And most of you go, okay, well, not so sure about that. Let's look at each one of those. Highly favoured, Proverbs 8. Proverbs 8, verse 4. I mean, 35. You're going to put it up there for me. Whoever finds me finds life and obtains favour from the Lord. Who's the word talking about? Whoever finds Christ finds favour. Is everybody born again here? Are you all born again? 
right. You have favour of the Lord. That is finished in claw. Say, I'm highly favoured. It's not whether you believe it or not. You are highly favoured. What does highly favoured mean? It means you get preferential treatment. Does anybody feel like they don't get preferential treatment? I'll answer for you, most of us. The Word says you have preferential treatment. Sarah Lee has a saying, favour's not fair, but it's fabulous. <laughs> it's fair if you're a child of God. You need to draw on the favour that God has put on you. You don't have to do something different to receive the favour. You need to love Jesus and you need to love His Word. You are highly favoured. The next one, skillful in wisdom, James. Let's go to James, James, James. James 1, and this is a passage of Scripture that I meditate on regularly. And I'm going to read from verse 1. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptation, knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you, who? Any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that gives to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth, wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. And let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. You have wisdom. You have wisdom. But there's only one place that the wisdom of God comes from, and that's through the Word of God. You see, God is not necessarily gonna just speak do this, do that, do that. He speaks through His Word. And the more time that you spend meditating and reading the Word of God, the clearer the wisdom becomes. That's how it works. There's no easier way. You're not gonna rise late and sleep early and be lazy and not spend time with the Lord and expect wisdom to grow, because it's not. It doesn't work like that. You're not gonna have the favour that God has told you you have. You have to be meditating on the Word of God. Cunning and knowledge. I love this. Cunning and knowledge. 
So not only should you be an expert in your area, whatever God has called you to be, become proficient in it. Am I saying study, 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 study? No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying learn to become proficient in the area that God has called you to be. And then on top of that, let's look at Isaiah 11. Isaiah, verse 2 and 3. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding, Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. You shall not, I'm putting it into the first person, make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord, and you shall not judge by the side of your eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of your ears. So the Spirit of the Lord, that's in Isaiah, it's talking about the Spirit that's coming upon Jesus Christ, which is upon you and me. So we have a Spirit of wisdom and understanding, counsel and might, Knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And then it goes on and it says, do not make decisions by what you see or what you hear with the natural eyes and ears. You make decisions by what you read in the Word. That's how we make decisions. So when you're highly favoured and you're walking in wisdom, wisdom, which is Christ, which is grace. What is grace? Grace is getting what you don't deserve. If you don't understand grace, just write that down. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. You've done nothing to deserve it. There is nothing in the natural that you can do to increase grace. It comes from your heavenly Father. Whereas mercy is not getting what we do deserve. So we mess up and we deserve to get punished. But God sees to us that a grace covers you. And we don't want to live in a place of mercy. We need that because of disobedience. But you don't want to live there. You want to move to a place of living under the grace. Is that clear? So now we go back to Daniel. Let's go back to Daniel. So you all briefly know the story of Daniel and what happens. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, which is not their names when they come in. They've got other names and they get changed to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They refuse to partake of what the king offers. They refuse to allow themselves to get tainted with the world, although they are living in an environment 
of paganism. And when I, having seen what I've just seen, it would have been tough. It would have been hard. It would not have been easy. Because then they got persecuted to death. Not like us. We, we, we don't understand what persecution really is. So they refused to partake. And then you know the story that Nebuchadnezzar has a dream and the only one who can interpret it is Daniel. A man full of wisdom and knowledge. A man filled with the Spirit of God. And you need to start looking at yourself and saying, that's me. You see, go to the throne rather than to the phone because your counsel will be a lot clearer than what your friends advise. And I'm not saying you shouldn't get advice. I'm saying go to the throne first and hear what the Word is saying to you for every situation. If you're finding yourself in a workplace that is full of heathenites, make the difference. Don't run from it. Make the difference. And having done all to stand, stand. Because that's what they had to do. They had to stand. In fact, part of the thing is, yeah, where it says, um, not there. They had the ability to stand. They were competent enough to stand. We need to be competent enough to stand. Even in your household, you need to fight for your family. You need to fight for your children. And I'm not talking about physically fighting. I'm talking about making a stand for your family, for your children. Part of your reward is your children. Don't let the enemy come in and just slap you all around. Don't let that happen. Yes, the man is the head of the home and he stands at the door. Absolutely. But as a woman, he's called you to stand too. You see, there's certain things that you will allow or disallow, regardless of what your husband's doing. So you need to make that stand. So in Daniel 2, Daniel 2. Verse 20 to 23. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are His. He changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. And that's only going to come from the Word. You need to become proficient 
in discerning what the Holy Ghost is saying to you through the Word. He reveals the deep and secret things He knows, what is in the darkness, and the light dwelleth with Him. Thank, I thank Thee and praise Thee, O Thou, look God my, of my fathers, who has given me wisdom of might and has made known unto me now what we desired of Thee. For Thou hast made, now made known unto us the King's matter. I want you to look at Deuteronomy 29, verse 29. And it says there, the secret things belong unto the Lord our God. But those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. He will show you the secret things. As a woman in the house, he will show you secret things that apply to you, your family, and for your children's future. Secret things that nobody else knows and nobody else could know. And don't look and say, well, I'm not married and doesn't really, absolutely is for you too. Don't wait until you're married to have to work out how you're going to live and how things are going to work out. Get it right now. So that when you are married to the right man, he can cope with a woman that can stand. That has the guts to stand because that's what it takes. It takes intestinal fortitude to stand when things look like you shouldn't stand. And Luke 12. Luke 12, verse 2. For there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. I don't know is no excuse. I didn't know what to do. Sometimes we've got to step back from the situation and say, I'm not making a decision. You know, when... When things happened while we were in Charleston, which most of you know that we had to walk through some stuff, Pastor Craig, Cyril Lee and myself, all three of us simultaneously said, we're going to step back and not make any decisions until we know what is the Lord our God saying because sometimes situations happen and you get under pressure to say things and make decisions that you're not in a place 
to do. Because it puts you under the pressure of making a decision out of how you feel in that hour. You will make the wrong decision. Mostly because you feel crummy. And the default is a way of escape. That's where we want to go. Just get out of the fire. It's all I need to do so I can breathe. But it's not necessarily what God's called. So we know then in Daniel 3, he builds this idol. And I saw many idols. And he commands them to bow down. And you know that they refuse. Amazing that Daniel's let off of this one for now. I got another half an hour. Daniel's let off from that, but Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and you can read this in Daniel 3, where they turn up, Nebuchadnezzar gets the heat turned up, the flames turned up to throw them into the flames. Just put yourself in that situation. Nobody here has been in that. Nobody. It may feel like you've been through it, but we haven't. That the people that are throwing them into the flames got consumed. That's how hot it was. And they got thrown in. What do you think it really was like in there? When they were going, just put yourself in that situation. What were they going through? God doesn't love me. God doesn't care. They actually said, well, if God doesn't save us from the situation, we're going to be with Him. So it doesn't matter. That's what they said. It doesn't matter. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. Glory to God. But they still had to go into the fire. Were they in fear? Were they in turmoil? What happened? And we know that the fourth man entered the fire. When did he enter the fire? When they were in there? Before they went in? Do you ask yourself those questions? Put yourself into a situation where circumstances feel like they are overflowing against you. And you just want to scream, jump out, just Remove yourself from it. But there are times when God would have you walk through them and not run from them. It could not have been a pleasant experience. There is no ways they were in the fire saying, well, glory to God, this is wonderful. We'll stay here. <laughs> what was going through there? through their minds. They were human. They were people like you and I. 
They had thoughts and feelings and emotions and all these things that we have. But it's for such a short period of time. And sometimes we can allow circumstances to consume our very beings that we're not in a position to actually get out of it. Because you can't see the trees for the woods. And we know that when they came out of the fire, they did not smell like smoke. Their hair hadn't been singed. Think of us sitting around a bonfire. You can sit there for 30 seconds and everything smells like bonfire. They came out of there totally unscathed. But I'm willing to guarantee that their hearts were in another place. Their hearts were in a place of total reverence to the Most High God. They knew that God was real. They had seen and tasted that the Lord was good. They became absolutely competent in the stand. So where are you when you go through situations like that? Where are we when things don't look like they add up? When everything seems like it's adding up, you don't need faith. Because you can see what it's like. It's only when there's a roadblock that gets thrown in front of you that now you need faith. But if you haven't spent the last however long it is building yourself in the Word, you don't have the faith to walk through that fire. And mostly fire comes from those closest to you. You know, if it's your job, you've always got this way of escape, well, I'll just resign. Even if the Lord has told you not to. But when it's in your household, you can't just run. Because it's everything that is dear to you. And I honestly believe that as women, God has put something in us that gives us the ability to stand. If you can have a baby, <laughs> you have the ability to stand. Where they can't measure the pain what do you think the world's doing? They put down four C-sections. Quickly, we're planning it. It takes something out of it. Now, I'm not condemning anybody who's had a Caesar, please. That is not what I'm saying. They, thank goodness for C-sections because there are many that wouldn't be around if it wasn't. So that's not what I'm saying. 
but God gives you the ability to go through that. He does not give that to the man. So when your family is under attack, that same drive that is in you manifests. I can guarantee most women who have had babies, you will fight to the death to protect. Or am I on my own? Because God puts that in you. You are competent to stand, but you need the Word. You cannot do it in the natural and you cannot do it by the flesh. You have to do it by the Word so that when the flames are hot and they will get hot, don't look at tall trees and say, well, it's great. The higher you are, the more you sway. <laughs> That's what happens. You, you feel the wind. That's what happens. We had to stand to see the miracle of God come through. We had a choice. We had a couple of choices. And only when we had made the stand of what we were gonna do, did we start seeing God slowly, slowly. Did you hear that? Slowly put things in place. Not quickly, not quick enough for us. But God brings things into place. I got into the car on the Saturday afternoon. I had to go and open and do stuff for people. And I said, God, I need time out. Where there's no more noise. We have too much noise. If it's not music, it's voices. Sometimes you have to shut the noise. It's not about the praise and worship that's playing. That'll help change the atmosphere. But it's about being able to hear the still, small voice. I said, I just need to take my head off. Anybody been there? You know those voices that are going flat out? I just want it off. We need to learn to just switch the key. So the only voice you're hearing is the still small voice of the Holy Ghost. Because He delivers. And he brings you through, but he brings you a way that you don't expect. And he brings people that'll stand with you, that'll walk with you. So back to dear old Daniel. 
So Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego have gone through that. And now it's Daniel's turn. As if it's not enough. Anybody been there? Just enough. Enough is enough. And then Daniel gets thrown into the lion's den. And if you're anything like I am, you, you tend to read it a bit like a kid's story because that's how we've portrayed it. You know, big lion in the corner and there's Daniel and it looks hunky-dory. I don't think it was like that. I've seen those stadiums where they took them in and they killed. They fought to kill. That's what it was about. And the king and the queen, whoever she was, enjoyed it. It was a show. That's how they lived. The more blood that was shed, the better it was. So he, after all that now, gets thrown into the lion's den. Which we all know the story. If you went to children's church, you know the story. If you've got kids, you know the story. And God silenced the lions. It sounds so easy to read it as a story. But when the lion is there and everything looks adverse, know that the Lion of Judah is at hand. We have, we have to dis differentiate between what we feel and what's real, what's in our heart, whether it's about feeling sorry for ourselves. When we're going through those things, it's very easy to woe is me, because it's not fair. Life isn't fair. Nobody promised you that it was going to be fair. In eternity, it's fair. You see, God looks at life through to eternity. We look at life on the earth. And the enemy, the, the enemy, God says, vengeance is mine. We want to see vengeance. Our very nature, we want to see vengeance. We want to see the people that are hurting us hurt. I do. I got to constantly check my heart. It's not fair. God's not interested in that. He's not interested in my flesh feeling like it's been rewarded. Remember that the flesh, it's like nothing. So we got to meet somebody and he is a, one of these highly intelligent scientist people. He spoke stuff that my mind doesn't even grasp half of what he was saying. But this is, 
This is the nub of it. He said, if you understood molecular science, listen to this, it's so cool. You would know that your spirit man is so much bigger and uses up far more space than the natural man. How cool is that? He says, the scientists have researched what the molecular space that your body uses is literally nothing. But your spirit man, and just because our spirit man is housed in a body that's gonna go to nothing, we put it all to the same thing. I'm short, so I bring all my cupboards down. I don't for one minute think, I'm short, but my spirit man is tall. (laughs) I don't think like that, but that's what it is. We tend to put our spirit man in what we see. If you look at children, they have full spirit men that that is alive unto God as they are. God can speak into their hearts and doesn't have to wait for them to grow up to speak. They may not have the natural understanding and knowledge, but the spirit man is alive and well. So we need to stop judging our situations by our natural being. It's so easy to do that. But look at me, I'm battling financially. Look at my house. So what? So what? Look at your spirit, man. And how big has he become? How big has your spirit man become? Because you're the one who is responsible to feed it and take care of it all by yourself. So feed it, take care of it so that it can grow up and stand tall without compromise. Where are you gonna be as the end time harvest comes in? You have a role and you have a responsibility. You have a role and you have a responsibility. And it goes beyond just your household and your children. There are other people's children that need taking care of. And by that I'm talking about the newly saved. They are other people's children. They may be big adults or they may be young, but you have a responsibility to have taken care of your stuff so that you can take care of somebody else's. Because that is our role in the end time harvest. When I see what is happening in Charleston and the young people that are coming in, that just, I don't know how they're even getting there. I don't know who's inviting and who's saying, but they're coming. 
we had a woman coming up to us in the chiropractor's room saying, our son came to your church on Sunday. And we're like, who's your son? We didn't even know who he is. We didn't even know his name. And his life has changed. They are ministry people. Their son, who is early 30s, has not been to church for seven years. My God, we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility because we don't need the saved going backwards. Will he find faith on the earth? God forbid, I will have faith in my heart. You will have to stand. And don't say, well, I have stood now. I'm done. No. You've got to stand until you find yourself in the presence of the Lord. That's how long it takes. It doesn't matter how big your children are, your grandchildren, those around you. Be sensitive to the needs of others. Esteem one another greater than yourselves. Maybe there's somebody at work that you can just pray for. Everybody has needs. Just not everybody's prepared to say that they have needs. Everybody in the world is broken. Things may look perfect. But in their hearts, we know the old donut man, there's still a hole. And that hole is brokenness. Do they lay their heads and sleep peacefully. You can't unless you know. And you don't know unless you know. Amen. So if there's anything I'm really hoping that you've picked up today, is that you know you have to stand. That you know you're highly favoured. You have every tool that you need. And when circumstances look crummy, know that victory's in you. When you can't see victory, it's in you. It is in you. And you need to take the time out to allow the victory to come through. Amen. 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 Hallelujah.